we have been seeing, first of all, a big overview of the end-time events from the premillennial view. We should have a chart. As the, there it is. This is our view. If you remember, we said this. <clears throat> just for you to remember how it all fits together, that if this is the Old Testament, of course. Everything was looking forward to Jesus. Jesus Christ came, was born in Bethlehem, walked on the earth for about 30 years, started a ministry, had the ministry for about three and a half years, died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again after three days, walked on the earth for 40 days, and ascended into heaven. We saw just uh, uh, actually a week ago uh, on Sunday morning the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The church began, and that's where we are now. The focus is on the church. Israel, in a sense, is, is temporarily set aside. The, the, the church is not present in the Old Testament. That's, how we're, this is, that's Old Testament. This is now New Testament. The next event <coughs> is the rapture in which Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and the church is taken off the face of the earth. After the church is taken off the face of the earth, there's a time period on the earth which is called the tribulation, lasts for seven years. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to show you why it is seven years. It goes back to what we call the 70 weeks of Daniel. It goes back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, in which God gave Israel a certain amount of years to do things. We'll see that. Anyway, that's the, the tribulation. Now, this morning, when we get into our study, we're going to go into details of this time period right here. Because if you've ever read the Left Behind series, if you've ever... <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, I wonder what this is. It's not water. I mean, no. It is. Okay. So, uh, so we're going to go into the details on this. And then, of course, this is the first coming of Christ to the earth. This is coming of Christ in the clouds. This is the second coming of Christ to the earth. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes back, sets up a kingdom that will rule for a thousand years, called the millennial kingdom. Christ rules as the king of the Jews. The church participates in the kingdom. In fact, all people who have ever been believers participate in this thing right here. And then it goes into eternity. Now, we don't have all the details because there's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ in which believers will be rewarded. That will take place in this time period up here while the tribulation is going on. I didn't put in here what we call the great white throne judgment. We'll talk more about that later, and we go into eternity. But I just wanted you to see the flow. So what we're focusing on this morning is what happens in this time period right here. Now, what we did, as you remember... Go to the next slide. We looked at the different views concerning the time of the kingdom. We looked at that, and we talked about... We, we studied the Bible from what we call a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. And so when you do that, when it says he'll rule for a thousand years, we actually believe that Christ will rule for a thousand years. And so we looked at that. Then we saw the different views concerning the tribulation. And, now, and, and as we looked at these different views, then we came back and said that some people actually think, some people think that the church will go through the tribulation, and some people, like us, believe that we'll be raptured out before the tribulation. And what it boiled down to is is this whole idea of, is the second coming and the rapture the same event? The answer is, no, they're not. People who say that we go through the tribulation, they make that the same event. Well, this morning, what we're going to do is look at the seven-year time period called the tribulation. We're going to see the details, and we're going to look at a number of things, and we want to be encouraged when we study it. Now, the word tribulation is not a very popular word, right? Uh, if I said, anybody want to go through tribulation, we say no. And sometimes we think it evokes fear, it evokes things. When we say tribulation as a whole, we know that sometimes there are trials, problems, ups, down, that happens to us. But when we say the tribulation, most people say, oh, uh, time period in the end of the world when there'll be all kind of bad things. I told you that when you take the Bible from a historical, literal, 
grammatical interpretation. That means historically in its context, literally what do the words mean, and grammatically, how do they fit in the sentences. When you study the Bible in that way, you will, te- you will understand that there is going to be a first coming of Christ, a rapture, a tribulation, a second coming, a kingdom, all of those things. I told you that many, 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 many Christians do not take the Bible historically, literally, and grammatically. In fact, most denominations do not take the Bible literal at all. And so most groups do not believe there is going to ever be the rapture like we talk about and the tribulation and the kingdom and all of those events. So that's why I'm saying if you talk to other people, especially if they know what their churches believe, most people will look at you and when you say, oh, I believe there's going to be a rapture and then a tribulation time period, antichrist and all that, and then a second coming and a kingdom Most people don't believe that. The reason we believe that is because that's what the Bible says, and we take the Bible historically, literally, grammatically. And that's how we look at it. So I want you to see this. Now, will there be a time of tribulation? Matthew 24. This is where I told you to turn. Look at Matthew 24. Look at verse 21. It says this, For then there will be a great tribulation, such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. Never, ever will. There will be the greatest time of suffering on the earth that's ever been. Now, let me tell you what a lot of people do. People who don't hold to the Bible in a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation, they say that in the first century, when Rome persecuted Christians, that's the great tribulation. And that all the things you see in the book of Revelation, the Revelation, that that all happened in the first century. We don't believe that. We don't believe that that's what happened at all. In fact, we believe that there was persecution then, but not what we'd call the tribulation. Now, when we think about this time period, which we're calling the tribulation, we're going to find terms like the abomination, desolation, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the 144,000, the 70th week of Daniel, and just on and on and on. There are all kind of terms there. And by the time we get through with the study, I'm going to also give you a handout which has all of the end-time terms so that you make sure you know them and understand them and how they fit together. All of these terms deal with the tribulation. And as we looked last time, we said that some people uh, do, do not believe that the church will be taken off the face of the earth. Let me, can you go back to the original, the first chart that you put up, the very first one? Right here, there are a lot of people who believe that here's the church and that there is no rapture, that we go straight into the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes and the rapture and the second coming are the same thing. In fact, they actually teach that believers will go up and meet Jesus and come right back down. Sort of like we go up and we come down. And so they believe we will go through the tribulation. For the next two weeks after we get through with lesson four, I will show you from the Bible why the church will not go through the tribulation, okay? And that will help us. But let's talk about, and and, and so here's the deal. When When we talk about this tribulation, we understand, yeah, go ahead, that there is a distinction between the rapture and the second coming. They are not the same event. And second, here's the key to the whole thing. The tribulation deals with the nation of Israel and not the church. So when somebody says to you, the church will go through the tribulation, you have to say and think to yourself, the tribulation 
if you look at it in the scripture, is not dealing with the church, the body of Christ. The tribulation is dealing with the nation of Israel. And we'll see that as we go through it. Okay, and we'll see that especially when we get to Daniel 9. Well, let's see the flow of the tribulation. Now, it's according to how much time we want to take on how fast we can do this. <laughs> we could go through it pretty fast. If you remember last week at the end of the lesson, I just went through real quickly some of the basic events that happened in the tribulation time period. I thought this morning we'd go a little slower. And I've got a different little chart that shows you where these things happen. So let's start and let's think about right now. Here we are. What is the next event that could happen? The rapture. The next event that could happen is the rapture. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. Could Jesus Christ come at any moment? Uh, are there any signs that show that Jesus Christ could come at any moment, moment and take us out of here? No, there are no signs. The, the rapture is never mentioned in the Old Testament. The rapture has no signs. The rapture will happen whenever Jesus Christ, it, he's gone to prepare a place for us in John 14. When the Father says it's ready, he will come back and get us. So there is no sign that says, okay, when this happens, this happens, and this happens, Jesus is going to come in the clouds to get us. So the rapture is the very next event. Let's talk about it. The rapture is the taking out of the church. First Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, that's where Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have already fallen asleep. He basically says, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him. Thus will meet the Lord in the air. First Thessalonians four thirteen through 18 talks about the fact that Christ comes in the clouds. There'll be a trumpet. There'll be the shout uh, of the Lord. There'll be the voice of the archangel and dead bodies and by the way just like we did last week if you have any qu- just stop me right in the middle if you have a question especially if it's pertaining to what we're talking about and stop me and we'll help you we'll 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 make sure you understand it also bible questions dealing with these sort of things we talked about it last week somebody raised the question what happens to your body when you die where, where does it go and those kind of things so we'll, we'll talk about those things but this is the bible basically says that the next event jesus christ comes in the clouds with a shout the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of god dead bodies of those who are christians who have already gone to be with the lord they will be raised from the grave we, if we are alive, will be changed in the moment of a twinkle of an eye. We'll all be taken off the face of the earth, and we will meet the Lord in the air. If someone has already passed away, their body's in the grave, their soul and spirit is with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when Jesus comes in the clouds, their soul and spirit's coming. Their body will be raised and meet them. Our bodies will be changed and meet them and thus will always be with the Lord. That's the rapture. There's a lot more things that happen and all kind of things, but I just want you to know that Philippians 3 says we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come in which he'll change these lowly bodies into a body like his. Now, when we say resurrection, and when we say this, we're talking about that a human body is changed that will never die again and never decay. That's what resurrection is. Jesus is the first one to die and rise again. He's the first one to die and be resurrected, never to die again. Now, there were people that died, and Jesus raised them from the dead, but they, they were raised to die again. 
When Jesus rose from the grave, he's the first one to come back from the grave, never to die again. That's why he is called the, the captain of our salvation. And so he is the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So the next event is that. Now, Titus 2.13 says we're looking for the what? Anybody know? Blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. So right now, every one of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the next event that could happen, and it could happen at any second, nothing has to be done. Jesus will come in the clouds. Dead people who have already trusted in Christ are coming back. People who already trusted in Christ are dead. They're coming back with Jesus. Their bodies will be raised, will be changed, and will be together. Let me show you the chart. That happens right there. There's the rapture. That's number one. Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, and we're taken off the face of the earth. Now, let me ask you a question. What is going to happen to this world when the mass of Christians are taken off the face of the earth? There's going to be all kind of mess everywhere. Listen, think about, think about the United States. We, we say we're a Christian nation. We know that our values have all changed. But there are a large number of people in this nation who say that they have believed in Christ as Savior. And it's not whether they're faithful servers or not. That doesn't determine salvation. Salvation is determined by faith alone and Christ alone. What happens if a whole number of people in this country disappear? I mean, I hope that if this happened sometime during the week, none of you would be here to show up, be show up next Sunday, okay? Because you have trusted Christ. This place will be completely empty, right? Better be. Okay, what will this world be like when all of the Christians are taken off the face of the earth? Now, let me ask you a question. There's going to come, there's going to come a time after we're gone, this world is going to be in chaos, right? There's going to be chaos everywhere. And nations are going to be, what is the United States going to be like? People say things like, I wonder why the United States is never mentioned in the Scripture. And a lot of people want to say, well, we're like Europe, we're like Great Britain. no. Why do you think we're never mentioned in the Scripture? Because once we are gone, the Christians are gone, there's nothing left of this place. Never be a world power. Never be a world power. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be messes everywhere. Governments are going to try to be formed. What we realize from Revelation chapter 7, that there will be a ten-king federation form. Up from those ten kings will be three kings, three rulers. Up from those three rulers, one man will come to power. When that, and, and let me just say this. The, the ten king federation could form any time. The scripture doesn't say it has to be after the rapture. In fact, several years ago, when the European Union came together, a lot of people were saying, ooh, that may be the Ten King Federation because there were these nations coming together to form the European Union. We don't know. We know that these Ten King Federations will come from what was the old Roman Empire which spread all over. So you can't just say it's right there, right there. We don't know. But what we do know is there's going to be ten kings to three kings to one ruler. And the best that we can tell is that one ruler comes to power and becomes the world ruler. And what we find is, if you, if you think about this, when this rapture happens, what about the nation of Israel? What, 
with most Jewish people, if you could go to Israel today and say, what do you want? What would Israel say they want? Huh? Well, I, think, I think most Jewish people don't believe in a Messiah anymore. I don't think they're looking for a Messiah. Not as a people. I think that there are certain ones. What, would they, what do they want? What do they want right now? Peace. Yeah, they want peace. Now, the only way they're going to get peace is who? To the real Messiah comes the Prince of Peace. So you're exactly right. And there are, there are Jews over there saying, we're looking for the Messiah. But as a whole, the normal Jew in Israel or the normal Jew in the world says, I don't even know if there is any kind of Messiah or anything. I would just people leave us alone and let us live. So they want peace. So what's going to happen is that after the, the tribu- after the rapture, there's going to be a time period. We don't know how long it's going to last, but there's going to come the world power, and there's going to come the leader. And he is going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel. Now, people all over the place are questioning, how is all this going to happen? In fact, I think we go to the second slide. There's going to be a peace pact made, a covenant with Israel and the Antichrist. Now, they're not calling him Antichrist. Just understand that. Nobody goes around and goes, hey, this is Mr. Antichrist. You know, he's a, ru- he's a world leader, but that's who he is. And Daniel 9, and we're not going to take the time to go to the verses, 9:27 says that this, this covenant will last for one week. What we find is one week actually equals seven years. Okay, so I just want you to know that. He's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel for w- seven years. In the next couple of weeks, I will tell you why it's seven years. Okay? goes back to Daniel 9. Now, the Jewish people want what? Peace. There's going to be a world ruler that will make peace with Israel. In fact, if, you're, if you were in Israel today, and you went to Jerusalem, and you're Jewish, can you go all through any place you want to go in Jerusalem? You can't? Why not? Huh? Okay, the Arabs are there, and they have the Temple Mount area, do they not? What's on the top of the Temple Mount? The Dome of the Rock, which is the second holy place in Islam. There is the Dome of the Rock sitting where the Temple used to be. Now, there's debates on whether it's exactly where it used to be or just in the area that it used to be. But right now, if you go to Israel and you go to where the temple used to be, the temple area, there is a thing called the Dome of the Rock. It's supposed to be where Muhammad, there's supposed to be a mountaintop that's covered over by the dome, and it's supposed to be the mountaintop in which Muhammad got on a white horse and went up into heaven. And so for Islam, that's the big place. So if you're Jewish and you come to the Temple Mount... About the only place you can go is to the backside of the temple, to a wall that is standing there. And what is that wall called? The Wailing Wall. So if you're Jewish, you can go to the Wailing Wall, but that's about it. If you're Jewish, what would you wish you had right now? The temple. Exactly right. Did you realize I was over there in 1976, and in 1976, I talked to some people who said the Jewish people already have every bit of the materials set back so that the moment they have the Temple Mount, they will build the Temple back. Well, guess what happens? That peace packet is made. The best that we can tell, part of that peace pack allows the Jewish people to rebuild the Temple. Because during the seven-year tribulation, the temple is rebuilt. Now, 
In Daniel 9.20, no, I'm sorry, keep go back to that. In Daniel 9.27, he makes this peace pact that lasts seven years. In Revelation chapter 7 before, the nation of Israel begins. Now, I, I, I want to hold up for a second. Okay, there's, they're building the temple. And just pretend they're building the temple back on the Temple Mount. Now, that's a big deal because the Dome of the Rock is right there. In fact, some excavations show that you could put the temple where it used to be and it would be right beside the Dome of the Rock. Whether that's going to happen, I don't know. But one thing I do know, the temple's going to be rebuilt because the Bible says it is. We're all gone. Peace pack is made with Israel. Revelation chapter 7 verse 4 says the nation of Israel begins as a people group to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. 144,000 Jewish people, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes are raised up who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and they begin to evangelize all of Israel and the world. So at the beginning of the tribulation, at least 144,000 Jewish people have trusted in Jesus Christ, and they begin to spread the message, and this is what's happening. So go to the next slide then. So right here, at the start of this seven-year time period, Jewish people are believing in Christ. There's the peace pact made, and now we're into what we would call the tribulation. Okay, go to number three. Number three is the first three and a half years. Go back to the slide, if you would, right back. See, notice something happens right in the middle. Okay, go to number three. Half of this first three and a half years, it's just called the tribulation. The Bible calls the second half, the second three and a half years, the great tribulation. Because this is called the tribulation. In the first three and a half years, God raises up two witnesses to proclaim the message. That's Revelation 11, 3, and 4. Now, let me tell you what happens. Two people are raised up. Some people think they're Moses and Elijah. They do the same sort of things that Moses and Elijah did. Some people say it has to be Elijah because Elijah never what? Never died. Some people say God just brings Elijah back. I don't think so. Best I can tell, I think there are two people who stand in the power of Moses and Elijah. And the best that we can say, they're close to the temple area and they proclaim. And the Bible actually says if anybody comes to get them, fire comes out and destroys these people. So these are two witnesses proclaiming Jesus Christ. And it takes place in the first three and a half years. Now what happens at about halfway, sometime in that three and a half years, go to, go to the next slide. Yeah, Sometime in this three and a half years, those two witnesses are killed. And their bodies lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half years days. And the people who are against the Christians, who are not believers, they send presents to one another rejoicing over the death of these two men. And then it says, they are raised up and they ascend into heaven. That's all in the first three and a half years. Now, there's some things going on. There's some bad things going on. There's persecution going on. But it's not gotten bad yet. If you were to have trusted Christ as your Savior in the first part of the tribulation, it's not a great life. Things are a mess all over the world. You've got this one world leader, but the message of Christ is being proclaimed. What happens next? The Antichrist, halfway through, at the three and a half year mark, breaks the covenant. He breaks 
the peace pack. Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 says, at the halfway point, at three and a half years, the Antichrist breaks the peace pack. Second Thessalonians 2 verses 3 and 4 talk about this man of sin who claims to be God. Revelation 13 gives us the same thing. And in fact, in Revelation 13 what we find is he is actually killed and supposedly comes back from the dead. And he demands to be worshipped. And let me tell you what he does. He goes into the temple in Jerusalem and puts an idol up and demands to be worshipped as God. This is that world ruler. This is the Antichrist. This is halfway through, he breaks the peace pact. And so, th- th- all of a sudden, this pe- Yeah, question? It appears that he dies. We're not sure. Because the only one who can give life is God. So whether God lets him die and brings him back from the dead, or whether it looks like... It says that he was had, had this, wound, this wound to his head. He was healed from this wound to his head. And it appears that he had died. So we're not sure. We don't have enough information. One place it actually says he dies. Another place it says he appears to have died. So we don't know. That's one of the reasons people follow him, is because they say he was dead, but now he is... Alive, so he must be something great. In fact, we call we call him the Antichrist because he now demands to be what? To be worshipped. He's like the Christ. He's like the Messiah. He says, "Worship me, worship me." He puts his idol up in the temple. Now, by the way, I haven't told you about this, but there's another world ruler that comes with him called the false prophet. Called the false prophet, he goes around telling people to worship this man, and uh, he's he's very evil as well, very evil man. In fact, the best that we can tell is that both of these people are controlled by the devil, and this antichrist man is actually possessed by the devil. So, do any of us want to be at this time period? No, we don't. We, we're up there getting rewards. Okay, so it's a lot better day for us. Anyway, all right. Now, I want you to understand that when that happens. The nation of Israel, which has now become more and more what? Believers, exactly. More and more of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel as a whole has now turned to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 said was going to happen. In fact, in Romans chapter 11 it says, And all Israel shall be, you may know, Saved, the nation of Israel is going to turn to God. The nation of Israel is going to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so, at the three and a half year mark, they run for their lives. Matthew 24 tells about it. Revelation chapter 12 verse 6 tells for it. You can put those verses down. But they're fleeing into the wilderness. They go to a place in, in Isaiah chapter 16. It's called Selah. But it has another name. Petra. Anybody ever heard of Petra? Anybody ever see, uh, what was that last movie? Not Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Search for the Holy Grail. Anybody saw the Raiders of the, the, whatever it is, Search for the Holy Grail? Remember that one? You remember at the very end, they went into that, that city, and that city was built in rock? That's a true city. That's Petra. That's the place Israel's going to flee in the tribulation. They're going to flee to that city. People don't live there now, but it is a city. People used to live in the mountains. They'd carved it out. It's called Selah in the Bible. We call it Petra. They're going to run for their lives. And from that point on, it gets really, really, really bad. And guess what? Uh, let's, let's see. Show that the next slide. That's where we are right there. Halfway through, you can picture 
sometime in the future, there's going to be a man on this earth go into a temple in Jerusalem and claim to be God and demand to be worshipped through the whole world. Now, look what he does. The next slide says that he, he says that he's God, and if you're going to buy or sell, if you're going to have any kind of life, if you're going to make it on this earth, you have to have the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, you can write these verses down and look at them some of the time. We don't have the time to go to all the verses. In Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18, that's where it takes the mark of the beast. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, 13 and 14. What is the mark of the beast? Anybody know? What is it? It's number 666. It's called the number of a man. You know, there's actually, this may seem to surprise us, but there's actually a textual variation and whether it is actually 666 or 667 or 669. <laughs> but we've, for historically, most people have, most of the manuscripts read 666. It's called the number of man because man was created on what day? Sixth day. I'll just help you out there. Okay, 666. Okay, this is the number of the man. The beast, and so at that point, whether you, if you're whether you're a believer or not, if you're going to buy or sell anything, you've got to have the number, and they put it where, hand or forehead. Do you think people are going to walk around with a number right there or a number right there? What do you think they're going to have? I think it's going to be where you go and you get scanned, and it'll scan under your skin. I think they're going to put it under your skin. Now they may put it out where people can see it. Because it makes it a lot easier. Because will the believers take the mark of the beast? No, they will not. Believers will not take the mark of the beast. They will run for their lives. And many, many, many of them will be killed. Many. It's a terrible... It's a ter- it's, you know, that's why, that's why the Bible says it's the worst time on the face of the earth and the worst time that will ever be. So picture now, the Antichrist sets up his idol, claims to be God, says you have to worship me. If you're not going to worship me, you've you t- you got to take my mark so I know you belong to me. If you don't take my mark, we will kill you. And so for the last three and a half years, and this is, of course, halfway through, there it is. This is the mark of the beast. This is all of this. Now, for the last three and a half years, it is also often called the Great Tribulation. First three and a half years called tribulation. Second three and a half years called the great tribulation. This is the final week of Daniel, the 70th week. It is seven years, three and a half breaks it. And there are places all over the scripture that tell us this in both Revelation and Daniel and other places. And we just don't have the time to go to every verse. But I've given you a lot of verses that you can look at. Now, in this last three and a half years, and I'm just looking at the time, we're going to have to get to a stopping place, and we'll review it real quickly next week, and then we'll finish it off. But let me show you what happens in the final three and a half years. Believers are running for their lives. People are buying and selling. There's great judgments on the earth. Now, one thing I haven't really told you, that if you read the book of Revelation, you see they're like called the vile judgments and the bold judgments and the sealed judgments. God is judging the earth while all this is going on. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are dying. People are running for their lives. It's the worst time you can imagine. Toward the end of the three and a half year time period, we have the next thing. And that is the final war, the battle, the campaign. We call it what? The battle of Armageddon. And we talked about it last week. In the northern part of Israel is a big valley and a big plain called the Valley of Jezreel. At the Valley of Jezreel, there is a mountain called Megiddo. There's also a little city called Megiddo. The mountain of Megiddo, in Hebrew, Har is the word for mountain. So Har 
Megiddo, Armageddon, Armageddon. We translated Armageddon into Armageddon, and we call it the Battle of Armageddon. It's actually a campaign. It's not one battle. It's a series of battles and wars that take place at the end. Now, I'm not giving you all these verses, but I want you to understand something. This is when you read in the book of Revelation that the kings from the east come with 200 million and from the north. What happens is the, all of the armies of the world are coming together and they're coming to battle Israel and they're coming to battle Jerusalem. And in reality, they, you may think that everybody in the world loves the Antichrist. They do not. This battle ultimately is armies and nations coming together to go against the Antichrist. But what also happens is they all come together to go against Jerusalem and Israel. And in reality, they're coming to fight against God. That's what's going to happen. This is the last of the thing. And so if you go ahead and put the next slide up, I think this is it. There we are. We're right toward the end. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Who has 200 million soldiers? Who does? China does. They do today. They do today. They have over 200 million soldiers. Can you imagine that? They do. As the kings of the east rise up, 200 million army coming to the battle. So it's going to be a, it's a worldwide battle. It starts in the plain of Jezreel at Har Megiddo, Armageddon, and it goes to Jerusalem, and they surround the city. Half the people in Jerusalem are killed toward the end. Okay? And we're going to stop after this one, okay? What happens at the end of the battle? Go to the next slide. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to do. Just to end it this way, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 19. Turn over there. You remember. uh, By the way, let me ask you a question. You remember the book of Acts in chapter 1 when we studied it and Jesus taught with his men? And where did they go? uh, Right When he was given his very last words, where were they? Anybody know? Mount of Olives. They went outside Jerusalem, went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus told them what to do, and then he ascended into heaven. What did those angels tell those men? That he'll be back where? Right there. Just like he left, he's coming back. When Jesus Christ comes at the second coming, where does he come to? Comes to the Mount of Olives right outside Jerusalem. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you this just before we read the verses. When he comes to the Mount of Olives, the thing splits in two. And the Jordan River changes course. And the water that flows into the Dead Sea, suddenly the Dead Sea becomes alive. Fish start being in the sea. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. That's why it's called Dead Sea, right? There's going to be a lot of changes when he comes back. I want you to read this part right here. Listen to this. Revelation 19, verse 11. Picture what's happened. The armies of the world have gathered. They've surrounded Jerusalem. They want to kill everybody. And here's what happens. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. Who is he? That's Jesus. He's coming. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head are many what? Diadems, that means crowns. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. If you want to say, wonder what the name is, nobody knows. Okay? He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. What's his name? He is the Word of God. And armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, uh, white and clean, are falling on white horses. Who is that? 
That's us. And also some angels, but that's us. We're coming, and guess what? We're telling him, you go do the fighting. We'll just stand over here and watch on the horses. That's what we'll do, right? Because he's coming. He's coming in righteousness and justice. The armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes what? A sharp sword, so with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. He is coming to judge the world. He's coming to set up his kingdom. He's coming to deal with the unbelievers. He's coming to deal with the Antichrist and the false prophet. He's coming to deal with Lucifer himself. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written. What is it? King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming. Now watch, I know time is up, listen to this. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with this loud voice, saying to all the birds, calling to the birds, come assemble for the great supper of God. What? Watch. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of the commanders, and the flesh of the mighty men, and the flesh of the horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to wage war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Who's the beast? He's the Antichrist. He's called the beast that rises up out of the sea. He's the Antichrist. He's the man of sin. He is going to make war against the one coming on the white horse. Who's the one coming on the white horse? You know, he's pretty stupid. Don't you think he's stupid? You're going to fight against God? Who is he? He's a man, but he's controlled by... He's controlled by the devil. And this is the battle coming. And he said, listen, you know what the angels say? Birds, get ready. You're fixing to eat a whole bunch of dead people. That's what's going to happen. The book of Revelation says, when the battle is over, the bodies are stacked as high in the valley of Jezreel, as high as a horse's bit. Bodies will be stacked this high through the entire valley. That many people will die. That's a horrible thing. But you have evil here that has to be dealt with when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come. So when you read the Bible and you think about Jesus coming as the king, it's, not, it's going to be really messy when he comes because he's coming in righteousness and justice. Question? You talk about believers. When believers are killed during the tribulation or the great tribulation, the only thing that we can figure, the best that we can do, is it's like the Old Testament believers because their bodies are not raised until Jesus comes at the second coming. And so anyone who dies during the tribulation, they will be raised when Jesus Christ comes to set up the kingdom. So, great question. Yeah, we better, one more, because we're past time, but one more. It's, there's two battles. Yeah, this is the, ba- the, the, the battle of Gog and Magog, best we can understand. Okay, you're talking about Russia coming down, that kind of thing. Okay, let me answer that real quickly. And I didn't go into all the details, but if you put the chart up again real quickly. The next one. Okay, in the first part of this three and a half years, there is the ba- the fir- what we call the battle of Gog and Magog, in which Russia, or when we say Russia, an, an empire from the north seeks to come and destroy Israel. And because there's a peace pact with the Antichrist, Israel feels safe, but they're not safe. God allows huge things to come out of the heavens and destroy this army coming down from the north. That's the first battle of Gog and Magog. There is a second battle of Gog and Magog, which happens at the end of the thousand-year reign. It's just called second battle of Gog and Magog. So does that fit for you? That Yeah. So, 
All right, let me stop, and then what we do, if you've got questions, comments, get them ready, and what we'll do next week is we'll go quickly through this part, we'll catch up to where we are, and then we'll see what happens. But if you've got any questions about what happens when people die and the Antichrist and the false prophet and all those kind of things, we'll, we'll, we'll go into detail. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Help us to put it together, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we, as the body of Christ, will be taken out before this time period ever comes on the earth because this time period deals with the nation of Israel. Thank you, Lord, that we as the body of Christ will be taken off the face of the earth to be with you and come back with you, you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to rule in righteousness and justice, and we will be with you. Thank you, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Help us to put it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.